0: Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to 2024 and welcome to our first edition of Driving the Deal. I'm Brian Fortune, head of the Farragut Square Group, part of the McDermott, Will & Emery family. And as always with me is uh, my wonderful co-host, Chris Whirling, partner in our Chicago office. Today, we have two things we're gonna cover. First, we have some fabulous guests and we will be doing a JP Morgan recap among all of us who were actually out in San Francisco for that week. So our guests today are Farragut Square Zone I'm Jackie Williams, our director of research, and Holly Stokes, one of our senior analysts in the Washington office. So I'm just going to kick right in. I'll kick it to you, Chris why don't we start talking about just the mood out there, the state of the market. And and I'll lead off, of course, with saying that my first takeaway was that for those of you who didn't go out to J.P. Morgan, this San Francisco weather really cooperated. It was mostly sunny for the most part and lovely at times. Yeah, it,
1: it was beautiful. And for those of us from the Midwest or Northeast, if you get a good J.P. Morgan week, temperature wise, it's much, much nicer than being back home. Current temperature in Chicago right now is about eight below. So <laughs> it was great. And Brian, good to be with you on the podcast again. I will say of all the the drinks I enjoyed at the JP Morgan cocktail parties, the one I had with you was the best. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So, but uh, getting to the mood of the conference overall, it was upbeat, obviously. I mean, I think a lot of the private equity and the investment banking and even the biotech and pharma community is fairly positive about 2024. And when Comparing it to 2023, which was a pretty down year in all of those sectors, you cannot help but be positive about what 2024 will bring. So I think the most significant piece of the conference for me was that we have quite a few of our clients who are preparing platform companies for exit transactions, processes launching, and management teams were out at J.P. Morgan doing meetings and getting ready to launch a process over the next few weeks. So Now, that does not mean that it's time for celebration and heady days are here again. But what it means is we're taking some steps towards seeing what this market's going to bear in 2024. And by that, I mean, the valuations have to come in for these platforms to transact. So we all know that private equity funds are very interested in getting some exits and returning some cash to LPs, but the price still has to be right. So it's great that we're seeing processes start. It's great we had management teams out there for fireside chats. That's different from last year. Last year, no one was kicking off process at more. It just was with very limited exception. So now we've got these processes kicking off. Let's keep our fingers crossed that some of the valuations come in. And I think we've got some good assets coming to market as we'll discuss in a variety of pretty interesting areas. Brian, I I wanted to ask you, you know, there's been some concern in healthcare investing lately from uh, some of the antitrust scrutiny that the administration has been vocal about, uh, antitrust and anti-private equity kind of language, that some of the fallout from the anesthesia case in Texas. What kind of questions were you getting in San
0: Francisco about, you know, whether it's safe to invest in healthcare and, and that kind of dialogue? You know, what's funny is we got it far less than you might think. Probably two takeaways on that front. One is that a lot of the meetings probably were predominantly kind of middle market clients, and I don't think they focus on it as much compared to some of our larger cap friends. Just because I don't think their deal size, depending on the state, sort of rises up to put them on anybody's radar. Whereas some of the large cap clients have done deals that are big enough that you know some of them have have in fact been targeted by entities like the FTC, and, and they have to play through on the whether they litigate it or find some compromised way out. The other question, and Jackie, you you noted this too, like all of our clients really didn't bring up the political environment at all. I think we got maybe one esoteric question on what do you think about the presidential election or, or politics as it relates to health care? People really weren't focused on that much at all.
1: I agree. Same. I asked a couple clients if they're worried about, hey, what might happen in the fourth quarter in terms of you know, litigation and possible uncertainty around outcome of the presidential election and so forth. And, you know, people were taken that in stride, I think. So it's interesting to hear that you have the same reaction.
0: Yeah. I will note, echoing kind of your point earlier, you know, obviously I think both of us have seen a pretty big pickup in terms of sell-side processes being launched. And that, for us, that really kind of kicked in and sort of late November, you know, heading through December and kind of continuing now. And I sort of felt that you could almost track it and correlate it with boxes getting checked off. Like it seemed like particularly ICs were waiting for things to happen all of last year. You know, and one, one of them was they were waiting for forward visibility on kind of rate stability. And that alone, if you just look at when the Fed basically came out and said, we're not going to raise rates anymore. And then, you know, looking ahead, we might even start cutting them. We had like one of those old school phone switchboards with the little lights on it. You could almost see the board light up in your mind right after the Fed announcement came out. You know, it was between that and the fact that other people were waiting for, you know, some of, some sectors were pretty overheated. They were waiting kind of valuations to become more reasonable. Yeah. But you add all that up, I think people finally felt safer to start waiting back into the water. Totally agree.
1: Well, let's talk then about what's hot and what kind of things we see as recurring sector themes here. Drawing in Jackie Williams. Jack, what kind of areas are you seeing a lot of inquiries on from, from the Farragut Square client?
2: Base. Yeah, thanks, Chris. I think, as I said before, when we were talking about this, this was perhaps the second or third year of JP Morgan where infusion, and particularly an ambulatory infusion, was a specialty where we drew a lot of questions and inquiry. Coming into JP Morgan, that was the case, and then the conversations continued. We continue to have a lot of questions around cardiology and cardiovascular, though opportunities seem more scant there. PPMs, other PPMs such as gastro, ophthalmology, as well as primary care continue to be of interest. And then behavioral health across the care continuum, inpatient, residential, SUDs. And then we're continuing to have conversations around ABA therapy and autism and IDD. And Holly, I know that you had some views on either regulatory or other areas where we've gotten questions on specific topics and issues.
3: Yeah, I would say, you know, echoing your thoughts on infusion continues to be hot. I think a lot of that correlates partially with the Inflation Reduction Act and that implementation. And I think that starts to become a regulatory question, not only in what does it mean in the immediate, but even Brian and Christy, your points earlier of, is there any chance the election sort of sways any of that outcome? I think we were also talking quite a bit on PBM, specifically on federal versus state regulation. I think that's going to continue to be Topic of discussion at least through first half of this year. And beyond that, we were getting a lot of questions just in terms of specific PPM dynamics. I think one thing that's a little interesting to me and maybe bodes well of how people are viewing the market is fall of last year. We were getting inquiries, I would say, on sort of safer, very, very stable PPM. So for instance, allergy and tea, it's a space that's very green light. It's been green light for a long time. It's not really a a large risk at play, and I think we're now starting to get a little bit more interest again into PPMs that have more strategic risk. And I don't necessarily mean downside risk or value based care, but just risk in terms of how does that play in terms of Medicare and commercial. And I think that increase in risk appetite starts to bode well in terms of how those are viewing the market.
0: Hey Holly, you had a few favorites that you thought were sort of coming into view in terms of you know reimbursement or regulatory being you know interesting space. So
3: yeah. I am particularly excited about interventional radiology. I think to Jackie's point, cardiovascular has been hot for the last two-ish years. And the problem with it really is just that it's hard to find an asset at valuation that's affordable because it is so hot. I think interventional radiology follows a lot of those same trends, but it's a much more nascent space. So for instance, we have a very likely end to uh, macro headwinds in terms of clinical labor repricing. And then you have very likely tailwinds in terms of a new shift of site of service from the hospital to the office. You also have likely a rebasing of the Medicare economic index. Both of those are going to favor interventional radiology very, very similar to how they're playing in the cardiovascular space. Beyond that, I think orthopedics is a very interesting space. I think that's not surprising to anyone who's been following it. But one thing that That's particularly interesting to me if you were to see a change. In the administration. In the Trump administration, at the sort of tail end of it, there was a movement to try to move around 200 plus musculoskeletal codes off of the inpatient only list and into the outpatient setting. That was pulled back by the Biden administration, not because they are against procedures moving to lower acuity, but there was really a focus on code by code review in terms of safety instead of sort of wholesale broad movements. And I think if we were to see a change in administration, that's something that's sort of a more niche area that we could see it return to. And so to me, it's a really exciting space because likely you're going to see more of a shift of site of service in terms of regulation there. Beyond that, orthopedics is one that lends itself to CMMI demonstrations in terms of value-based care. So there's just a lot of interesting sort of niche dynamics that can happen in this space.
0: Yeah, that's right. Jackie, there were some areas where we seem to get a lot of repeated Interest and, in, for example, infusions, one of those. So maybe you could share some of the some of the areas where you thought everybody wanted to know our, what our opinion was.
2: Yeah. So we're having continued conversations around the impact of the IRA and Medicare drug negotiations and how that will impact different assets. Obviously, completely dependent on their drug mix. But that's an area in addition to home infusion and how commercial payers versus Medicare treat that benefit and the pace of adoption of home infusion and whether the home setting is a competitor to AICs, which we don't really see really related to the patient profile being the determinant there. And we also view Medicare versus commercial payers as being quite different in terms of the further advancement of the home benefit. Medicare's benefit is quite nascent. and We don't anticipate the government to incorporate drugs as quickly into that setting versus commercial payers who are a little further along. But those are the common themes in terms of what's the impact of IRA, as well as the home infusion benefit and other settings that might be a competitor to the ambulatory setting.
1: Speaking of the IRA, the other that obviously had impact on pharmaceutical pricing. And an area that was just lightning hot in 2022 and 2023 was pharma services. Yeah. And that's an area that we continue to see a lot of investor interest, but the interest has really honed in on a few subsectors as of late. There's definitely been some challenges in the contract manufacturing and clinical research outsourcing subsectors of pharma services. And that's really been directly related to some of the financing funding crunches at biotechs. you know Biotechs had a terrible year for fundraising in twenty three and twenty two and now that came off of like all time high years in twenty and twenty one where you know v c s and hedge funds and anyone that had cash was dumping money into the biotech markets. So they had a lot of money built up and the IPO markets were hot. So they had money from doing going public, but that definitely started to dwindle. Biotechs burned cash fast. And when new cash cannot be raised, they start to cut programs. And their cutting of development programs Really directly impacted some of the contract research organizations and also is starting to have an effect on contract manufacturing as well, in part because much of the contract manufacturing work is related to clinical development. And getting products that are in clinical trials manufactured and getting them developed and so forth. So, those two areas, I say, are a little bit down in terms of not being as hot. There's still, if there's good assets in that space, they're going to get looks. But we see things like marketing agencies that are focused on pharmaceutical consulting groups that are market access oriented that help with you know, getting commercialization. commercialization. Yeah, exactly, Brian. The commercialization component of pharma services is really hot. And the compliance consulting and other services to help pharma companies with compliance is still a very interesting space. So I expect that 2024 is going to see a real continued stream of pharma services deals. And if the IPO markets open up and a venture starts to fund a little more biotech, I think some of those areas that might be a little bit down that I mentioned might fire right back up to life. We'll see some of those companies having really good years. And uh, this is an area where investors really want exposure for the coming years. And I expect it to be a, a decent year in the pharma services space. That's great.
0: I would be remiss if I didn't ask us all Kind of our quick takes on what we'll call buzzy areas. The buzzwords always come up, and let's translate that into how it works into the deal market. So let's deal with the first one. What do you say when people ask about value based care in 2024?
2: So I felt like this year's JP Morgan, there was more skepticism or consideration of what is truly value based care. And this is something that we've talk to clients about, the term gets bandied around. And there's a question of whether it continues to be aspirational or whether there are specific specialties that really particularly lend themselves like primary care and orthopedics versus being applied across the board of healthcare. So I felt like the conversations that we had about value-based care were more thoughtful. And I don't know if that's because I suspect that's because investors are questioning the types of value-based care arrangements that they're observing in the actual market and by providers. So whether it's really pay for performance or upside risk only, or whether there's global upside downside risk being taken. So I thought there was just more thoughtful conversation around value-based care this year.
0: Well, that's good news. Chris, this ties into the pharma universe as well. So the second, obviously, topic that that's very much bandied about these days is use of AI in healthcare. So did that come up at all in, in your world of commercialization or drug development? Yeah,
1: for me, not as much in drug development. That tends to be a little bit more of the focus of the early stage investors, which are not my personal specialty. You know, the interesting area that I saw AI come up in is payer services, which is an area we would be remiss yeah. not speaking about right now, because that's a very interesting area for investors as we see the payers continue to consolidate. And the larger they get, the more they need to outsource. And AI offers an interesting way for them to get some efficiencies in their business and lower their overhead cost. So AI is definitely of interest to payer services investors. However, I would say there is a little bit of concern. It's not clear under various state insurance laws how compliant some uses of AI can be under these state laws that impact prior authorizations and medical decisions. So investors have been digging in on that. They're gung ho on AI as in other computer assisted decision making tools that can deliver efficiencies to payers. However, you need to be cautious and make sure that it's doing so in a compliant manner and not deferring decisions to automated systems. That really require a medical professional, for example. So there's been some preliminary litigation on this, a few enforcement inquiries, and it's just something that we're watching
0: cautiously as investors wade further into this space. Well, we could go on about this, I think, for, you know, another solid hour of fireside chatting. But, you know, I know that we'll be on the phone with with all of you listeners soon enough, and and we'll be able to cover anything that we didn't. So in the interest of time, I would be remiss if we didn't move into the fact that there's a lot of interesting events coming up where we will be exploring some other issues in depth. So starting with you, Jackie, we've got a kind of a big co-branded event coming up in, in the not too distant future.
2: Yeah, Brian. So we're very excited to host a co-branded event in New York. This will be an in-person event where we're going to be featuring speakers from Capital Asset Strategies, a DC firm that advises investors and in their port on DC regulatory issues, as well as two McDermott partners and, and Farragut folks who will be discussing the regulatory outlook for M&A, as well as oversight of private equity involvement in investments. So we'll be covering the SEC, any congressional interest regarding healthcare, private equity, any kind of reviews of mergers and acquisitions, including the new merger guidelines and HSR rules, and then diving into a focus on PE in healthcare transactions, where we'll be talking about state regulatory perspectives, congressional interest, and additional regulatory challenges. So that's going to be on February 8th in New York. So please look out for invitations from Farragut related to that event. And I know, Chris, we've got some podcasts and webinars related to McDermott events coming up.
1: Yeah, we have a series of webinars coming up at the end of January and throughout February. That's kind of a run up to our big practice management and ambulatory surgery center symposium that we're holding on May 15th and 16th in Nashville. So check out our website. It's kicking off with an overview of the PPM market in 2024 that we're co-hosting with Triple Tree, And then on February 1st, we'll have a, subsector spotlight on med spa practice management on february 8th we'll have a subsector spotlight on pain management ppm's and then concluding on february 15th we have a specialty dental focused webinar so i think those will be really interesting those are three areas that we see clients digging in on right now and interested in investing in the next level of of practice management so i hope that you can find that information on the mcdermott website and sign up for those if those are of interest and last but not least then brian we've got hpe 2024 Want to tell us a little bit about that event?
0: Well, it promises to be a pretty good one. It builds on uh, what we did last year. As we all know, last year, we started adding more time on the front end for the conference to turn to be a little more in execution mode, similar to Nashville. So uh, this year, a lot of our banker friends will be sponsoring base. We bought out the whole hotel now, so it, it, you won't you won't have any random tourists walking through going. Why are all these people sitting around doing business meetings? But should be a fair amount of management teams there. I think that'll kind of reinforce the fact that we're seeing this big kind of pickup and rollout activity uh, heading through Q1 into two. So promises to be very productive and it'll be uh, warm and warm and sunny as always. Well, thanks
1: for having me, Brian, on the podcast. Thank you to Jackie and Holly for joining and discussing what's hot with us. Kick it over to you, Brian, to close
0: it out. Thanks, Chris. And thank you to my fabulous colleagues. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening. We will have another regular batch of these coming out this year on some interesting topics. So as always, looking forward to uh, chatting with all of you as the deal market continues to move ahead this year. Year. So thanks everybody. Have a great week. This material is for general information purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice or any other advice on any specific facts or circumstances. No one should act or refrain from acting based upon any information herein without seeking professional legal advice. McDermott Will and Emery makes no warranties, representations, or claims of any kind concerning the content herein. McDermott and the contributing presenters or authors expressly disclaim all liability to any person in respect of consequences of anything done or not done in reliance upon the use of contents included herein. Copyright twenty twenty two, McDermott Will and Emery. All rights reserved. Any use of these materials, including reproduction, modification, distribution, or republication, without the prior written consent of McDermott, is strictly prohibited. This may be considered attorney advertising. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome.